Hey there, welcome to the Lead Bold Podcast, a place where we engage in incredible conversations with amazing leaders in ministry and ministry partners as we encourage and challenge one another to live fully into what God is calling us to be. Each episode will dig into three questions. One, what is hard about being a woman leading in ministry? Two, what is one transformational or even trajectory-changing lesson you've learned about leadership? And three, what does it mean to you to lead bold? Our guest today is the ever-incredible Lynn Heron, who we just had at our conference as one of our panel speakers and is an incredible champion of women living in community and understanding the church through being invested in each other's lives. She is currently the senior pastor at New Creation Church in Arden in Sacramento, but Lynn's ministry is tenured and as robust as it comes through being a senior pastor, an executive pastor, CEO, and founder of multiple different ministries, as well as uh, being completely invested in abroad work. She's been afforded an opportunity to travel with her ministry to Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, Detroit, Atlanta, California, and even as far as Kenya, where she is dedicated to teaching God's women to live in relationship, love, and sisterhood. You're going to love this conversation. Let's jump in with Lynn Heron today. Well, we want to give a big hello again to our Lead Bold community. Thanks for joining us here on our podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Aaron Seth. Hey, Aaron. Hello there. Happy to be here. Always happy to be here. And of course, we're so eager to welcome our guest, Pastor Lynn Heron. Hey, Lynn. Hey, guys. Excited to be here. Excited for this conversation. I am too. It's so fun to have the conversation. And of course, we're doing it sooner than anybody else gets to listen to it. And so it just makes this anticipation in me like, I can't wait for them to hear what we got to talk about. I love it. Well, Lynn, uh, everybody already kind of got to hear a little about you um, in, you know, kind of the pre-show introduction, but uh, being a senior leader for a church um, in a time like this, hello, has got to be so challenging. Um, can you just like share with us a little bit um, as we jump in and kind of have our our audience get to know you? Like what what's the thing right now that you're having to adjust and reaccommodate and really just be leading them as the spirit leads you in how to lead your church? Can you talk about how that's looking different these days? Well, I, I think for first, let me just say the the most pressing thing right now is to affirm that God is real. Um, in the midst of all of this, God is still real. God is still healing. God is still leading us. He is still comforting us. And I think right now with so much um, deaths, so, so many deaths, um, people just losing family members, us not being able to get a handle on this pandemic, right? And as soon as we think we have it, something else comes up. And just reaffirming in people that even though it looks bleak, God is still real. And that's really hard in a time where you are experiencing so much devastation. Um, so just coming at that angle and trying to see, God, where are you leading us right now? What, what is it that you want us to do right now? Because the reality is um, it will never again be church as usual. Um, I don't care how what we try to do it. We will never have church as usual. Um, so I've been really focusing our time and really hearing very clearly that God wants us to begin to, to look a little bit more like Priscilla and Aquila. And coming mm, together mm-hmm. in these smaller <laughs> g- um, group gatherings and really learning 
how can I really make the word of God applicable in my life, especially in trying times like this? Um, coming together in a large gathering is great. I don't dismiss it. We do it once a month, but coming together in a large gathering is great. But coming together in a small gathering gives me an opportunity to answer questions. It gives us opportunity to have discussions that we would not be able to have in a larger gathering. Um, so people leave a little bit more equipped, a little bit more empowered about what it is that God is saying for them in this moment. And so that's pretty much where God has been redirecting us. And let me tell you, it's not easy. It's not easy because you have to really convince people that it is okay to go back and do it the way it was done in the Bible versus the way we've done because of culture and tradition and denomination. So um, I think that's probably the greatest feat is to get people to re-envision what church is. Wow. That is huge. You're just doing a little thing like redefining church. I mean, what's the big deal? (laughs) Yeah. As a woman pastor, too. I love that because so often, you know, we are ingrained to come to sort of the big gathering, the big service, and soak it all in. Um, As leaders, we're the ones kind of pouring it out through Jesus. But as the as the congregation coming and soaking it all in and of course you you hope it's relational and you hope it's interactive but it sounds like what you're doing is really shifting it so that it's really getting ingrained in their relationships in their life and of course dialoguing about it is such an incredible learning method yeah so what a safe space for people too i think you know in a large group, there's a lot of like fear of asking questions, a fear of asking for clarification, or maybe even voicing doubts you may or may not have at that time in your walk. And um, it's amazing to have the kind of the comfort and safety of a smaller group to really dig into those things and to kind of get a little deeper, which is such a gift, I think, for those people as well. Yeah, and it's a gift for me as well <laughs> so, to be able to... Um, come together with them and really not just be their pastor, but become family. And uh, I I think that's what made Priscilla and Aquila so um, successful in their endeavors is that they lived life with the people they were leading. And that's what I want to do is I want, I don't want to be your pastor. I, I just, I don't want to just be your pastor. I want to be someone that, um, you can cry with, you can laugh with, you know, you can come to me and you can talk and I can come to you and talk. Right. I want us to have this in, in um, empowered relationship where we're reciprocating these things is that's what they did in the Bible. That's what Jesus told us to do is to go and reciprocate what he has given us. And he did it through relational uh, um, endeavors. And that's really what I want to do is be a pastor that is connected and more than just being a pastor. And this time too is it's so much more critical and hard to do that. You know, I think this last year and a half, we have, we as leaders have felt so disconnected from our people because for a long time they were just kind of behind a screen and were, I, I sort of felt like, you know, you're throwing, throwing stuff up against the wall and hoping something is sticking and you don't know if it is. So now kind of in this next phase of what this looks like to be able to get in there 
and be seeing with your own eyes and hearing with your own ears, here's what's on their mind. Here's the fears that are bubbling up. Here's the victories that they're having, you know, and what, what, a, um, what a great example of being willing to flex with the leading. I love that. And I think it kind of ties in, I know we're going to jump into our first question about what's hard about being a woman in ministry leadership. And um, I, I know you told us a little bit about what you're going to share, and I think it ties in because part of why everyone is going with you in this flex is because you have built trust. So can you just talk a little bit about what's hard, what have been the challenges uh, for you? Oh, wow. So... Um... First of all, one of the major major challenges of being a pastor, right, is I'm a woman. And not only am I a woman, but I'm a black woman in a traditionally um, white dominated field. And so I'm I'm having to constantly um, fight to prove that God has called me, that I'm worthy to um, follow behind. And so as a, a woman, what I find myself doing is working extremely hard to build the trust of those who are I'm leading and um, those who God is sending my way. And and I do it by just, uh, I know that word authentic is thrown around a lot, but I try to be very authentic. I try to be very transparent with who I am um, so that I can build this line of trust, right? So this relationship of trust so that you can trust me, even though society says that you shouldn't trust me as a woman. And so I put a lot of energy into doing that. And when I tell you, it is extremely difficult to get people to trust someone when you have the world in your ear saying something differently. Um, and not, not just the world, but even the church is saying something different. Um, although we have women leaders throughout the entire Bible, right? God uses us in so many different ways in the Bible. Um, it is still kind of downplayed as, um, as if the woman really, she really wasn't the one doing it. It was a man that was behind her that helped her do it. And regardless of the fact, God still used her. And so the hardest thing for me as a black pastor, um, female pastor, I'm sorry, is just getting people to trust the anointing and the gifting and the leadership that God has put inside of me. I think one of the challenges within that is it must be hard for you to be able to take a risk Um and I'd love to hear your perspective on that because, you know, I think when we're trying to build trust and prove ourselves, there is this thing in us that says, okay, the way I do that is I show that I'm competent, that I'm successful, that I'm wise. And that can kind of push against when you when you feel like it's time to take a risk and you don't know if it's going to work out. You know, it might hurt the momentum. Like, how have you managed that to be a risk taker while you're trying to really prove yourself because of being a woman in a senior level of leadership, because of being a black woman, because of all the cultural and um, religious constructs that have been kind of pushing down on you. Uh, well, um, so for, first of all, like, 
it's understanding what bold means. So I love the lead bold, um, understanding what bold mean. Bold literally means the ability to take risk, right? Yes. Um, so um, if I'm going to lead bold, I have to be willing to take risk. And willing to take risk for me is not the confidence, it's not the courage, but it's the humbleness that comes behind taking the risk. So it's not me taking the risk on my own. It's that I'm humbling myself and we're taking a risk together. And I think that's the difference. Typically, it is the pastor takes the risk and everyone else just jumps in where they fit in, right? Well, typically, that's why we fail. Um, But if we as leaders um, take the risk of humbling ourselves, and um, allowing others to come in and walk alongside us um, to make the decisions with us. I think that's how we become successful. Um, it, while you said it, just I had a, a pastor tell me that um, it was weak to allow others to come in, your, the people that you're leading to come in and to navigate you. Well, I, I don't see it as weak. I don't see it as navigating me. I see it as, as working together as a team. Um, when Jesus sent them out, he sent them out by twos. He never sent them out one by, by themselves. They always went together. And together they were able, you had 12 disciples turn the world upside down. Um, they couldn't have did that on their own. And so I make it a point to humble myself in taking these risks and inviting others, inviting my leaders into this space of saying, let's make a decision to take a risk together. Um, and when we do it together, that means we're going to, if we fall, we're going to hold each other up, right? <laughs> that means if we're successful, we're still going to hold each other. Uh, when we're doing it together, we are a link together where we are trusting God together to move us into this new direction. So um, when I look at confidence, when I look at courage, I look at humbleness. And, and for me, that's a risk as a pastor to be humble. I think especially as a female pastor, I think sometimes there is, <clears throat> it can probably feel really isolating to be alone and to be, especially if you may be one of the few females on staff or one of the few female pastors in your area, et cetera. Um, and the importance of recognizing that like, you know, there is something to be said about obviously having the confidence and being, being capable and being available, but there is something really beautiful, I think in, in the ask. And I think there's a lot of fear in asking for help because it may, it may have this perception of like not being adequate when in reality, it's like such an amazing gift and such a skill to like, as a leader, pull yourself back and say like, look, not all my ideas are the best ideas, you know, and it's why we need each other. It's why we need the perception. I love that um, scripture, you know, wherever two or more are gathered, there am I with them also. And I think that that's a really powerful thing that sometimes if we're too isolated, not only are we kind of shutting ourselves out from other really important perspectives and, and help, but also, you know, it can be lonely there. And I think that that's something that's pretty hard for female pastors and for females in ministry is the loneliness. And so I love that that is a way that you not only combat the like devil's attempt at, at trying to break a a female leader down, but also to bolster other people around you to be just as engaged and as involved and to empower their leadership, which is amazing. 
Absolutely. And how do you empower them if you don't engage them? Um, you know, it's, we talk about when I was coming up, I'm not going to tell my age, <laughs> when I was coming up, my, um, my grandparents used to always say, just do what I did, tell you to do. Don't do what I do. Just do what I tell you to do. Right. <laughs> right. Follow my leadership by what I say. Well, mm, nine times out of 10, I'm going to do what I see you do. Right. And, and so <laughs> I, I think that if I invite you into this place, we get to see each other. We get to grow from one another. And I, I think the, the thing we mistake we make as female pastors is that we feel like we have to have this heavy hand. We're always having to prove ourselves by manipulating or strongholding. And no, we're, we're natural nurturers. Use that in your leadership. That's what we do is we encourage, we nurture, we build. Uh, we as moms, we invite others into our space, right? So we can nurture and grow them. And so I try to make sure that I use what God has given me at birth <laughs> and naturally as a woman, those nurturing instincts and skills as I am developing and empowering and encouraging those to walk in the things that God is calling them to walk in. That is so good. And it, and it kind of, there's so many uh, kind of little sparks that I hear when I'm hearing you talk, little things that kind of spark in me. And, you know, just this, this whole sense of, I think one of the conversation threads that we've had on this podcast is that so many of us, because our models were men, probably white men, we have had to find our way of how do I lead as me? And so I love what you're saying in that is that even though everything in us is striving to prove and it kind of has to be done again, because that's the reality, but it's like counterintuitive that we also, it's not going to be effective to push and force and, you know, dominate in our leadership spaces, but instead coming at it graciously, humbly, um, collaboratively, um, that is so encouraging. I hope that those of you listening that right now are in a space where you're feeling like you have nothing, if not to prove yourself, that you would feel that release to be able to hold it open-handedly and just know that God is going to be controlling that outcome. You know, you're you're doing the leadership in your own skin, and and then letting God kind of affirm for you, I guess. Yeah, that's really good. Um, what, so for you, uh, I know you said you weren't going to tell us how old you are, but you've been in ministry a long time. <laughs> Let's just say you are very experienced. Uh, <laughs> what, um, can you talk about just kind of a, an important thing you've learned along the way or a lesson that kind of shifted even what what ministry looks like or how you approach it. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So um, one of the transformational lessons that I've learned in leadership is, again, that transparent, that authentic, non-judgmental, um, because we have grown that we are supposed to judge people who don't look like us. Right. And I, I'm not talking about ethnicity now. I'm talking about um, just the cultural of religion. Um, so if you don't look like us, then we judge you. 
Um, if you don't dress like we do, then we judge you. If you don't sit or, you know, if you're not as poised or um, as, as culturally etiquette as we are, then we judge you. So I've had to learn how to move away from that traditional sense and learn how to move into a more relational sense. Um, so in 2000, I was ordained, licensed and ordained. And we used to have to wear collars when, as ministers, we had to, oh God, I used to feel like I was suffocating every Sunday, <laughs> sitting there in my black suit and my collar, right? I just suffocating all the time. I hated it. It's like, oh, I and, worked so um, hard to get this collar and I hate it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I you know, I, I worked so hard to stay in bondage, right? <laughs> I haven't, I've never had to preach with a collar and it just hasn't been my tradition I'm in. So I, I can imagine that that is yeah. not the, the greatest. So uh, traditionally, um, there is a, a protocol for the African-American um, pastors that we do wear collars. We wear um, clergy clothing. And I remember feeling so just, isolated from everyone. Like, um, I, I remember feeling that when people looked at me, they didn't see me as a human being. They see me as an object, right? The, this object that is subjected to this clothing that I was wearing. And so not only was I feeling imprisoned, but I was sick, sec um, separating myself from the people I was leading. And so they felt like they couldn't have a relationship with me. And so I remember when my pastor, we had brought a new pastor in and he said, get rid of them collars. <laughs> Jesus didn't wear a collar. No, where did you see in the Bible where he wore a collar? So I was like, yes. Then he said, um, you know, get rid of all of the garb. The garb is what's separating you. Nobody can come into your presence because of the garb. And so I was like, oh, my God, I was so excited. So um, I got rid of that. And that was a transformational time for me because now people were able to begin to see me and hold me accountable, not the garb I was wearing, not the collar that I represented, but me, the calling, the gifting that I said that God called me to right now, I am held accountable. Now, now I have to now live this thing out because I can no longer hide behind the things I used to hide behind. And so it was very transformational for me because I had to literally become authentic. I had to literally become one that was very transparent and I had to literally begin to walk out this humble walk. And that was very hard, um, but it was definitely a transformational time for me is learning how to live out those things. Um, that was so foreign for me because of where I came up and how I grew up. So yeah, um, that's my story I'm picking to. <laughs> what, so, so circle that around to the, the concepts of how we have kind of been brought up to be judgmental like how do we um it sounds like you coming from that frame of mind of judging on the outer and making categorizing people like was it that for you that physical um adornment that you had on was 
just making you in a category? Is that kind of some of what it was and wanting to get us all on yeah. level footing? Yeah. Yeah. Not just um, not just the physical adorning, but the title, the, the title. So in, in the, the, the black church, titles are important. And so there are there are levels. You've got your your bishops, right? You got your apostles, you got your evangelists, your ministers, your preachers. Every title carries weight. And because of the title, people treat you differently. And so it, it causes the, this separation because now we do categorize. Right. Um, if, if you're not a, a preacher, then you can't be over here. If you're not um, an evangelist, then you can't be over here. Um, So it gave me the opportunity to begin to redefine what a preacher or a minister of the gospel or a pastor really is. Redefining what the Bible says and not what we have grown and we have taught traditionally, right, or culturally. And that was life-changing because now um, what I did was I, I took away the categories and I, and you're right, Andrea, I said, okay, we're all at an even plane, right? You're, I'm no better because here's the reality. When it comes time to stand before God, he does not care whether you're called a pastor, a preacher, or a teacher. What he cares about is how many souls have you helped to conform to um, I'm following him, right? That that's our main objective is to save souls. And he didn't say you only do it if you're a preacher or a teacher. He doesn't care about all that. He cares about how much you invest to building his kingdom. And so that was hard because I had to unlearn what I had learned all my life. Wow. That's such a powerful image too, as we think about the reflection of working in ministry being an extension of what Jesus began and that it was so important and that God knew that, that he needed to be a hu- in human form so that there was this relational approachable quality about the work that he was going to do. And that in gifting us as human people to be an extension of, of, of ministry, it is just as important to echo and to mirror Jesus's work in being in living among the people that we are are serving and being at a place where it's easily, you know, we're easily approachable, we're easily available. We are on the same playing field to say that like, yes, I may have had this calling that does not negate that I'm, that I am just as much a human and just as much have a sin nature as you. And of course that's, was not the same for Jesus. He was blameless, but that extension and that mirroring of God knowing that like to reach people for him that they that there had to be a level in which human people could understand and, and connect and so Jesus was given to us as a human human God in human form and I see a lot of that mirrored in what you're saying is to kind of draw away some of those things that make those who are in ministry feel untouchable or unapproachable yeah it's such a good it's such a good um reflection of just your the ministry that you're doing Lynn um uh this idea that we as leaders you know we've worked so hard to get to where we are and yet the the power is really in us just uniquely doing what God's calling us to do alongside 
other people who are uniquely doing what God's calling them to do. And it's really fresh um, and encouraging as you kind of break down that hierarchy. Um, And it has to come from the top, right? Like you as the senior pastor are able to break down the hierarchy, whereas somebody who is at the the quote-unquote bottom of the proverbial hierarchy can't break it down, you know? So it's like we work really hard to get to that level of leadership. Not so that, but, and when we do, we are able to then transform it to to be where it's all of us doing the work of pointing people to Jesus, of, you know, sharing his love in the world, all those things. Um, And that, you know, I love this too, because of course it all comes back to even that idea of leading bold, right? Which you know is our mm-hmm. kind of last question that we hit, which is what does it mean to lead bold? And I, we've already been talking about it. And, and I know it's so much, you know, this <laughs> this idea of bringing one another toward fulfilling God's work in us is, is what you yeah. are all about. And so just can you talk about that a little bit in terms of, Again, getting back to that boldness as a leader, as a woman. Yeah. Well, at first, I I, um, I do believe that to lead bold again is showing the ability to take risk, right? It's the, the confidence, the, the courage, the humbleness. But I also believe to lead bold, it has to be something that you're unapologetic about, right? You, you can't apologize for taking those risks. You, you can't apologize uh, or you can't downplay what it is that God is pushing you into. But we women love and to apologize. We're so good at saying we sorry we all apo- the time. For <laughs> everything, <laughs> right? We apologize for it's everything. True. You know? I mean, that's big. Yeah. Let's just point out, like, to change that thing in us, to not apologize is huge. Okay, sorry. I had I didn't mean to interrupt. It, it is. No, 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 no. You're right. It, it is. It's very huge. Um, but we have to be able to walk this thing confidently without excuses, without apologizing for being who God called you mm. to be. And that is yes. going to be the, I think, the caveat to us leading as women, to lead bold, to take these risks. Because um, when we talk about leading, we're talking about bringing someone along with us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we're we're bringing people to buy into what it is that God is calling us to do. I don't want to get, I don't want to buy into something if you're not really confident, right? <laughs> if you're apologizing to me for who God has called you to be, nine times out of 10, I'm not going to follow you. Um, so this is something that we have to be very unapologetic about and knowing that our main objective is to lead people to become encouragers and encouraging themselves as well as confidence and then transferring that confidence as well to someone else. So we're building leaders. And the only way we're going to build leaders is for us to be unapologetic about what it is that God has called us to do. For a long time, I apologize for walking in this calling that God called me to. I am no longer apologizing. I unapologetically, I unauthentically I transparently walk in this place that God has called me to walk in and I trust him every um, step of the way. I had one gentleman right on our, our, um, 
website. He says, you're a woman. You're not supposed to be pastoring. Well, here's a wonderful thing about you as someone who gets to follow a pastor. You can choose somebody else to follow. You don't have to listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't apologize. Yeah. I'm not going to argue you with know, you. I am who yeah. God says I Lynn, am. When we very first met, we were talking about this a little bit. And I, I asked you, you know, what how, what has your journey been like, you know, to be where you are? And I, I just, I'll never forget. You were just like, you know what? I'm, I'm just like done talking about it. Like I I've talked and talked and talked about it. And now I'm just, I'm just going to move on and do what God's calling me to do. And like exactly what you're saying. Like if I, I don't yeah. need your permission, you don't have to follow me. I, however, am confident because of God, because of who the spirit is in me and his call to do what he's calling me to do. And I'm going to be accountable to that. I'm not accountable to so-and-so. So I, I mean, and it's gracious though in you. I don't, I don't, I'm saying it very snarky and you, you didn't say it that way, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, it's hard for me not to say things with a snarky tone, but you were just kind of like, you know what? I'm wasting my energy having to prove myself and apologize and yes. convince you, whoever you are, because I've got a job to do. And I love that so much. It's yeah. I'm so glad you're at that place. I'm glad you've been there for a while now. But I know you weren't always there. And I appreciate you helping yeah. those women who are listening who might not be there yet to understand how to move toward that. Yeah. yeah. We, um, yeah. on this podcast, Lynn, we have this like running kind of tradition that we, now I know you're working actually on another book already, but we always kind of jokingly come up with a like title for you and it's your job to write it. We, we don't do any yeah, of the writing. We we title just come up with the title. But what, <laughs> yes, but what has like come to my mind in, for like title and tagline is like taking off the collar. Sorry, I'm not sorry. Like, <laughs> oh, you know I what I mean? Like, it. I love yes. it. Taking off the collar. Sorry, sorry I'm, I'm not, not co- sorry. Like, yes, I love it. Working on that that will Lynn. definitely have to be my next one. Yes. That's your next I book. I love it. That, absolutely. It's so true. Lynn, it has been and always is every time we get to talk such a, an encouragement. To, being around you is like fires me up. I'm so, so excited that you absolutely. are part of our Lead Bold community. So, so thankful that you just took time out of your very busy schedule to share real wisdom and um, really getting back to that idea of humbly being exactly where God's called you and knowing that it's not a competition that you're that you're just walking in your call so thank you so much for being with us today oh thank you guys so much for having me this was a blast (laughs) so fun I had a great time awesome thank you Lynn all right everybody thanks for being with us Bye. Bye, guys. Have a good one. What a gift to spend more time with Pastor Lynn. We just, as I mentioned, had her on our panel at our conference that happened here recently in September and wanted to share with you guys some other really exciting things that are happening within the Lead Bold community. We would love for you to get engaged and get connected with other women in ministry. One of those is um, September through the end of October, there is group coaching sessions with an IFC certified coach. Pretty amazing content on managing imposter syndrome, building boundaries in your ministry, as well as enhancing your own emotional intelligence. And then, of course, coming up here shortly at the end of October is our Abide Spiritual Care Retreat, just a way to really feed into you, to kind of give you a chance to um, 
to just be served and catered to and blessed. And uh, there's all the information that you might be looking for on leadingbold.org. We're happy to connect with you there. And if you have any other um, questions, get connected. There's a contact button there. Or of course, you can reach out to us on Instagram as well. We would love to hear from you and hear about what God's doing in your life. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time.